Welcome to a healthy bite. You're one nibble closer to a more satisfying way of life, a healthier you, and bite-sized bits of healthy motivation. Now let's dig in on the dish with Rebecca Huff. Frazier. Liz is the author of Beyond Piggy Banks and Lemonade Stands, and she is also a certified financial planner specializing in financial planning for families and working professionals. And you're on a mission, right? Tell me a little bit about why you did this, why you wrote this book. Well, first, thanks so much for having me on here. Um, I'm excited to chat with you. And yeah, I am on, that's a really good way to put it. I am on a mission. Um, and, you know, it started because I'm, I'm a financial planner and I see clients all the time. Um, and most, what I've realized is that most adults are pretty intimidated by finance. Um, you know, and, and it's for really good reason. You know, first of all, finance is so overcomplicated. You have these professionals out there that make you feel like you have to be a hedge fund manager to understand anything <laughs> about finance. And, you know, so, so it's, way overcomplicated. And then also, of course, we don't understand finance because nobody taught us. Um, it's not taught in schools. And historically, you know, it's been rude to talk to your kids or anybody about finance, or, you know, you don't want to stress out your kids, so you don't talk to them about finance. So I kept seeing over and over people who are really very smart, resourceful people, educated people who are just very intimidated by finance. I kept thinking to myself, well, it doesn't have to be intimidating. I mean, this is... It's, it's really some basic things around saving, around spending, making smart decisions, debt management, um, that can allow you just understand those fundamentals that can allow you to be financially healthy. So I started thinking more and more about this and I'm like, man, we have got to learn this as kids. It's, you know, you think about the things that we talk to our kids about when they're young and it's nutrition and it's safety, you know, stranger danger, it's um, <clears throat> kindness and importance of teamwork. And there's a reason why we start so young, like way younger than they probably need to, to know. We start these things so young because we want to build these positive habits. We just want them to always think about the nutritional choices. We want them to always think about what the kind thing to do is. We want to build these positive habits and just have it as a part of who they are. It's the same thing with finance. We need to start such a young age. And I mean, elementary school. I started my kids at four. And, um, you know, just start at the youngest age of just exposing them to finance and just letting them slowly start to practice and have positive experiences with money. So then as they get older, they can feel more comfortable with it. It's not intimidating. It's not taboo. It's just money. You know, money touches every part of our lives. And when they turn 18, they're going to immediately um, have money touch every part of their lives. It's student loans. It's credit card debts, it's their first job, it's you know their first mortgage, it's having babies, everything. And so if they learn it at a young age, they're gonna have a solid understanding about finance and this isn't gonna intimidate them and they're gonna be able to make smart choices when it matters. So what do you teach a four-year-old about finances? <laughs> <laughs> You're not having a sit-down conversation about compound interest. So uh, <laughs> I've tried, it doesn't work. Um, you know, you know, at the, at age four, at age five, even at age three, you can start talking about some um, things that maybe don't seem finance related, but they are. And it's things like needs versus wants. And this is such a basic um, thing that kids can understand, but it's just going through like your, your daily activities and 
talking about, you know, well, what is something that you need versus something you want? You know, oh, well, water. Is that something that you need for survival or is that something that you want? Oh, that LOL doll, Maddie, you know, is that, do you really need that or is that just something you want? And kids catch on to this very, very quickly. And my daughter busts me all the time on it because you think I was more careful with the way that I talk, but I'd say stuff like, the other day I was like, God, we really, we really need a bigger yard. And Maddie goes, you want a bigger yard. You don't need a bigger yard. So smart. <laughs> but, um, you know, needs versus wants, if you think about as an adult, your budget and your spending habits, it's really the first step in budgeting and making mm -hmm. smart spending decisions. So, you know, the needs and the wants are the very first part of it. And from there, you can start talking about priorities. And that's another part of a budget, you know. All right, so these are the things, needs always come first. Needs are always the priority. But what about on your wants? You know, like for example, for our Christmas lists right now, you know, and any holiday gift list, you know, you're looking at my daughter's got 50 things that she wants. And I'm like, all right, so these are all the things you want. Let's start prioritizing them. What do you want the most? You know, and let's let's go down, go down the line here. And again, that's that's smart money management. That's making smart decisions. So those are some real kind of core fundamentals that you can start teaching your kids now. Wow, that's really good. Um, I, I, I like the needs versus wants. And um, my daughter and I also have that conversation, but she's 11. So um, that, that can be kind of tricky when they start reminding you of what you've taught them, right. pointing it out to you. But um, so let's talk about allowance. Allowance. Allowance has, it's so interesting to me because allowance has become this great debate. And, um, you know, and it's for good reason, like we're, we're parents. So what we do best is we stress about messing up our kids for lives and, you know, making mistakes. And so, <laughs> so it's understandable why everybody's stressed about allowance. Um, you know, I think people are worried that if they give, you know, an allowance, their kids are going to become entitled. If they don't give an allowance, you know, there's, there's all these debates going around about it. My, the reason why I love an allowance for kids is that allowance gives kids the number one tool they need to practice money management, and that's money. Um, that is the number one best way to allow kids to start learning about money early. So I, um, I think allowance or some, some form of allowance is really important. I, you know, there's the traditional method of you give your kids money for the chores that they do. And then there's been, you know, um, kind of like some, you know, changes to that and some other opinions around, you know, well, then, you know, they're kind of supposed to be doing that, those chores. Um, so are we paying them for things they're supposed to do, you know, give them allowance without any chores tied to it. So I, I like a hybrid of those. And what I do with my kids is I give them a certain amount of money every week. And it's, you know, just the dollar per their age. So my six-year-old gets $6 a week, but it doesn't really matter how much they get. Um, and it's, it's not tied to any chores. Separately, she has chores that she's expected to do anyway. Um, you know, she's expected to help me load the dishwasher. She gets the mail. She cleans up her room. You know, these are things that I'm not going to pay her for. She's part of our family and she just needs to do them. Um, so, but separately, because I do want to, um, because I do want to, uh, for, for her to have the correlation of working and making money separately, we have chores that she can get, that she could do for extra money. So this can be something like, you know, you can wash the windows or help me wash the car for, you know, or help dad rake the yard or something like that. That's kind of above and beyond the regular family expectations. Um, so it does a couple things. It gives them some money so that they can learn hands-on money management and start practicing and making mistakes and all that good stuff that helps them learn. 
but it also starts tying together that, oh, if I want to make more money, I actually have to work. And when I work, I get money. So I'm a big believer in allowance. I don't think that you can do it wrong. I don't think there's a wrong way. Actually, I, I can say that for certain. I'm professional. Uh, there is no wrong way to do an allowance. Um, but you know, I think that as long as you do what works with your family, you're consistent, um, stay positive. You know, you never want to um, use allowance as a punishment. Like, well, if you don't do this, or you know, if you don't come home on time, you're not getting your allowance um, because this is their first experience with money. So you want to keep it positive, but keep it consistent. Make sure that you've got very clear boundaries around it. Um, and um, yeah, I just I think it's a really valuable tool. I like that idea of having extra chores that kids can do to earn extra bucks if they want something and they're maybe saving for something. So when you're teaching kids with their allowance, um, do you have specific ways that you kind of um, work with them? Like I know you have a little bit in your book about um, charities and about teaching your kids to share. So how do you do it with your kids as far as do you require them to save a certain amount of their allowance or you just let them do whatever they want or how does it work in your family? Uh, you know, I'm glad that you asked that because that's that's a question that gets asked a lot. Like how much, you know, there's a lot of research on this and a lot of articles out there. How much should we give for allowance? How much, you know, what's the best way to do it? You know, some people say it's 80% in spend, 10% in saves, 10% in share. I, I think actually it's best to let your kids choose. Um, so every time that my kids get allowance, I say, okay, so how much do you want to put in your spend and how much do you want to put in save? How much do you want to put in share? And actually, and my kid, I mean, I think she's the most special giving person in the world, but she's just a normal kid. You know, there's nothing insanely different about her. Kids love to give and they actually really like um, being able to make their own decisions and it makes them feel responsible and it gives them some ownership and it makes them feel like an adult. So when I say to her, you know, what, however much money you want to put in either one, what do you, what do you decide? She's never once said, I don't want to put anything in the save or in the share. She always usually kind of splits it even. Um, so, you know, I think that that's a really good way to do it because it also keeps it positive for them. You know, it's their money and it's their first experiences with money. So it's not about how much you put in there. It's about developing the habit that every time they get money, they put a little away and they give a little bit. I like it. I like it a lot. So beyond allowance, what are some of the other building blocks that you talk about in your book for teaching kids about um, finances in general? I know you have a lot of little games and stuff that you suggest in there. I thought those were really fun. But so as we're teaching our kids, what are some of these building blocks? Well, you know, I think that um, one that I just think is so important is teaching your kids to save money. Um, and one that my daughter and I did that it just works really well is um, doing like a savings goal with them. So, you know, with whatever money that they have, come up, sit down with them and come up with something that's realistic that they want to save for. You know, you don't want to do like a $3,000 bike because that's just going to be a bummer for them. No way they're going to save up for it. Uh, but, you know, something like a Lego set for $40. And my daughter's is a big Jasmine dial. So we created this big um, poster board. We made like one of those old school, um, you know, sales thermometers. And we <laughs> put milestones on each one. So here's that $5, $10, $15. And every week when she got allowance, she'd go and she'd color it in, you know, how, you know, just like the old, like sales movies, you color it mm -hmm. in you know, until you get to the goal. 
um, what I like about this is one, it keeps her engaged and it keeps her excited about it because we all get into it. You know, we're like, oh, you know, you're almost there, you're $15. But the other thing that I do is we add in milestones. So let's say, you know, she gets $10 saved and on the board it says ice cream sundae. So she gets to go and like pick out this crazy obscene ice cream sundae. You know, but maybe at $15, we'll match her $15. So it's another way to keep them engaged, keep them excited, and um, make it a positive experience. So that's all that you want with kids, is you want these experiences to be positive so that they'll continue building the habits. Um, and, you know, is in terms of games, some things that we really like to do, we like to do a lot of pretend play here. So we'll do, you know, pretend store. So one of us, you know, I mean, I've got me and my, my six-year-old daughter and my four-year-old son, who you can imagine is <laughs> a little bit more challenging in these games, but, um, you know, we'll play store where one of us is the cashier, one of us is the sales person, and one of us is um, like a difficult customer, you know, or like somebody who doesn't have the right change. And we switch roles around, but they get really into it and they get really excited and they you know get all of their dolls and all of their toys around the house and put price tags on it and you know think about how much each one will cost and set it up and it's games like this that keep them excited and engaged and it just gives them exposure and practice to everyday kind of money situations I love that. And it just triggered a memory while you were talking about that. I was trying so hard to continue focusing on what you're saying because I'm like, oh my gosh, snack shop. Because that reminds me, your store that you play with your kids, when my older kids were younger, I had this thing that I called a snack shop. And I gave them a certain amount of money every week and it was their snack shop money. And it was like all different denominations of money. You know, you had coins and some ones. I don't, I don't think we went into fives or anything, but it was like ones and coins. And then I would have these snacks set up in a certain part of my kitchen. And these snacks could only be accessed during snack shop time, which was like, I don't know, two o'clock in the afternoon we homeschool. And so it was like a, um, kind of like tea time kind of thing. And so I'm like, okay, yeah. time for snack shop. And everyone would come in and they would have their certain amount of money. They could they could either spend it all in one day and like, you know, gather it up and keep it, hoard their snacks, or they could spend a little bit that day and save a little bit for the next day, or they could just save their money and not spend any on the snack shop. They could just keep all of the money yeah. and do something totally different with it. But so all of these snacks were things that I wouldn't normally let them have. Mm -hmm. And so it was just kind of like, I don't know, but the thing was you had to count out and everything had a different like price on it. So like right. maybe you know, a few chocolates were 50 cents or something like that, you know? So anyways, they were like getting the money, having to decide how much do I want to spend? Okay. I can buy this and this. It was so much fun and they looked forward to it so much. I'll have to ask them about it, but they're older and grown up and moved out now. So that I love that. And if I had talked to you, I would have completely put that in my book. That's such a smart idea. And it's funny because I have something similar in that. And um, for school age kids, you know how they, they have uh, like school accounts, you know, and you put yes. money into it and they can go in the cafeteria and get lunch or snacks or whatever. But so you could put, um, you know, for every month you talk to your child and talk to them about how much you're willing to pay for, you know, maybe it's like one snack a week or, you know, it's lunch every day or whatever it is. You put that money in for the month and then your child is responsible for budgeting it. So if they, you know, end up loading up on snacks in the first couple of weeks and they run out of money, then they have to pack their own lunch the rest of the month. Wow. And, 
And it's just a neat, but it's kind of like what you were saying, you know, they could spend none of it and then they have all this extra money for the next month. But, you know, it's an interesting way and it's a fun way to kind of give them some consequences. They're not terrible, but give them a little bit of consequences so that they see the benefit to spending versus saving and how to kind of manage that. But I love that you did that. That's such a great idea. Yeah, it was so much fun. I just have the best memories of that. And this was like something it wasn't, it wasn't tied to an allowance. They didn't earn the money. It was solely just a game for yeah. learning to count money properly, learning to add up, you know, like when you go to the register and you're like, do I have enough money for this? It was kind of that kind of thing. I wanted them to know how to add these things in their head and how to be prepared, how to count back change. So it worked beautifully. Actually, my oldest daughter is in, um, in college right now to get a degree in accounting. She wants to do probably something very similar to what you're doing. So. Good for her and good for you. I mean, you that did something fun. right. If you're one of your kids wants to be an accountant and they clearly are comfortable with money. Well, she actually helps me with my budget. So well, you know, know what's funny is um, I do that with my little kids, like kind of in, in real world, my daughter is obsessed with, and I started her young on this. I'm not with my son yet because I'm not sure if you just like throw the money at the cash cashier, but <laughs> My daughter loves to go into stores and pay for things. So like, you know, I never bring enough money for groceries to pay in cash, but like if we're at CVS and just buying a couple little things or I'm at the muffin shop or coffee, she, it started out me like forcing her being like, okay, you need to go pay. This is your day to pay. Like go give him the money. He's going to give it back. You got to help me count it out. And now she's like, mom, you have to go stand at the back of the store and I'm going to go pay for it. But I don't even want to see you. Like you have to be hidden back there so I can go pay for it. And it's just, it's really fun for them. Just like your kids with that. It's really fun for them to go up there and like, they get this confidence of being, you know, independent and that like they can actually do this. Um, and it's really, it's really cool to watch. It is. And I've done that. My kids love that same thing that you're talking about, letting them pay for things. And actually I've had a new experience with my youngest who is 11. Um, she goes to Taekwondo and right next to um, her Taekwondo school, like in the same little shopping center. So literally right next door, there's a um, nonprofit coffee shop. And so they're, um, they give money to um, fund adoption grants and things. It's called the Empty Cup. It's a really neat little shop. Um, but anyways, and so instead of giving her cash that she would put in her bag and like, you know, have to keep track of, I would get her a little um, gift card from the Empty Cup. And then if she was in between classes, she maybe had 30 minutes, she could walk next door to the Empty Cup and get herself a hot tea or they have muffins and different things. And so I would put a certain amount of money on her card and I'm like, this is how much you get for this month. So budget it, you know, you, you, if you run out, then you have to wait till next month. And so she has to decide, do I want to buy something for my friend who's with me or do I want to save it all for myself? And she always ends up buying something for one of her friends if they go over there together. So that's kind of been a fun learning experience too. That was a little scary at first, but she's yeah. been very responsible with it. So that's great. I mean, I love that you are already just doing all this stuff with your kids because I think that, you know, letting them make their own decisions is one of the biggest and most important parts of learning finance because there's no consequences at this age, but there are when they get older, you know, but if they can make mistakes 
feel a little bit of pain, not a lot, but a little bit of pain, then they won't want to do it again. And you can do those kind of gift cards. We did that. We took Maddie to Disney and um, I did a Disney gift card because I'm like, there's no way we're coming out of this without getting her, you know, some Disney merchandise for a Disney. Mm -hmm. But I, I didn't want to go crazy. And I wanted her to understand that there were limits to what we would get and she'd have to make choices. So we got our gift cards. And, um, and every day I gave her a gift card. I was like, this is what you can spend, you know, and it wasn't a lot. And Disney is like insanely expensive, but you know, so, so we did the same thing where I was like, you can get this bubble wand that costs $400, <laughs> but you know, you can get this insanely expensive bubble wand, or you can keep this and maybe get a couple other things later during the day. Um, but yeah. it is it's such a great way, like a tangible way to teach them about budgeting. And it's fun to watch. It's fun to watch them learning and growing like that. I love it. Um, well, something that you said just now made me think about another question I wanted to ask you. You know, how much can we share with our kids about our own finances? Say, for example, someone is, you know, in a lot of debt or they're struggling to keep their head above water. How much of that do we share with our kids? It's that's a really good question. And, you know, I think that um, the, the best way for me to answer this is that keep it as simple as possible and as positive as possible. You know, you don't you don't want to lie to your children, um, but you don't want there's no reason to stress them out about your finances. Um, but you can still talk to them about money even if you're struggling with money, you can still talk to them about money. You can still and talk to them about your own finances. You can talk to them about things like, like you don't want to say, you know, God, we are in so much credit card debt, we're in trouble. Yeah. But you can talk to them about, you know, I, gosh, I made this purchase the other day and now I'm regretting it and I really wish I had thought, thought it through a little bit more, you know, or you could say, you know, yeah, like you can show them your budget when you guys are talking about budgets. You can show them your budget and be like, yeah, well, you know, this is how much money we have and this is how much goes to our mortgage and this is how much goes to our bills. And this is so they get a sense of, you know, yeah, we make money, but here's this is where, you know, our money goes and show them these are our needs that they go first, our fixed expenses. And then, you know, this is what we have left to spend on wants. Um, so, you know, I think it's important to talk to kids openly about finance, but you have to make sure that you're sh um, shielding them from any of like your negative stresses because mm -hmm. they pick up on that stuff. Um, you know, so I think that it's, I think it's fine to talk to them about it, but you definitely don't want to make them feel any kind of financial burden. I suppose it also depends on the maturity level of your own kids, maybe in some other factors that, you know, go into, you know, how much you share about anything with your kids. But right. um, that is helpful because I know sometimes, like you were saying, it's rude to talk about, <laughs> we've been taught that it's rude to talk about money yeah. or finances or how much we make, or you, you're not supposed to ask people how much they make. So I think it can be a touchy area with kids, like knowing, you know, how much is too much, but also at the same time, wanting them to learn from your lessons. For example, um, one of my older daughters said, I'm really resisting the temptation to go buy some furniture for my new place while all of these sales are going on. Cause you know, there's certain times of the year where there's all this sales and she's like, um, I think she was considering either putting it on credit or I, she may have not even said whether she was going to put it on credit or not. And I said, um, 
Yeah, something about, well, I'm resisting the urge to have a meltdown because I didn't resist the urge or the temptation to buy something on credit. And now I'm suffering through paying off that credit card or something. Yeah. She's like, hmm, good perspective. Yeah, I think I'll just save the cash for it. And I'm like, yeah. Well, I think for sure the older kids, I mean, I'm more thinking of the younger. Oh, right. Definitely. But I think the older kids absolutely having these conversations about your past mistakes. Oh, yeah. You know, especially things like credit card debt, you know, and saying it took me a long time to get out of that. And this is how much I paid in interest. And, you know, it's um, so I think that that's a great way to talk to your to your kids when they get older. And I also think that when your kids are younger, I also get this question a lot. You know, what about like, do they ask, what if they ask, do we, are we rich or do we have money? Do we have more money than this person or do we have less money? You know, because that kind of comes up and yes, things like the Kardashians and, you know, I mean, there's just like a lot of mixed messages around money, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important to talk to your kids about money. You can talk to them about money's not positive, money's not negative. It's just a tool. It's just a tool to use to reach your financial goals. And I say this to my clients all the time. Um, so I think that that's a really way, a way to build positive things and attitudes around money. And I think part of that is talking to your kids about gratitude and, and appreciating what you have, you know, because how much you have, it's all relative. You know, there's always going to be somebody who's got more than you. There's always going to be a lot of people who have less than you. So I think that when your child starts talking to you, like relative to their friends and to other people in the world, you know, well, are we rich? Do we have money? How much money do we have? Um, I, I think that it's important to talk to them that, you know, well, well, we have a home and we have warm food and we have a loving family and, you know, we have clothes to wear and we have a car and we're really lucky for what we have. And I think that's an important thing to talk to your kids about that. If we're meeting our basic needs, we're really lucky because most people can. Um, so I think that's one way to kind of have like a, a, a positive and healthy money conversation with your kids. Yes, definitely pointing out to them that we are blessed to have what we have. And that um, made me think of another question that I wanted to ask you. So um, when you say that you um, talk to your kids about sharing, and I know that you mentioned giving to charities and stuff in your book, do you give them guidance about charities or do you let them like decide how they want to share their money or how do you go about doing that with your kids? Yeah, I, that's such an important part of this book and what I'm teaching. Um, you know, I think that for charity, charity starts way before financial donations for kids. You know, you start with charity, just talking about like, what does charity mean? Charity really just means helping others in need. And so I think the first steps in charity with kids before you even get to the money part is talking about, um, you know, what does that mean? And like showing them ways in their everyday life so that they can relate to it. You know, just like, yeah, just like you helped your younger sister when she was feeling sad, you know, you were helping somebody who was in need or the kid on the playground who got hurt. Or, you know, you know how we shovel our our, um, neighbor's driveway because they're a little too old to do it. You know, those are all giving back and being kind. And so starting to talk about that with them, um, talking about gratitude and encouraging your children to be grateful. And that kind of leads into some more um, tangible, like charitable actions and activities. And you don't even have to start with money, just get involved. You know, you just have your kids start getting involved in things. So it can be something as tiny as 
making cookies for your neighbor or picking up trash in your neighborhood or just like, you know, getting really excited about the coat drive that your um, child's school is having. So they can get involved in organized activities or they can just make up their own activities. One thing that we really like is throwing um, holiday parties and our holiday giving parties and having the giving parties be, you know, come and we're going to have this craft that kids do and we're going to make ornaments for the nursing home or something like that. So there's so many ways that your kids can get involved before the financial part. And then once they, you know, start getting involved and start kind of getting a better handle of charity, then you can start introducing the financial aspect of it. And um, I don't think we talked about this, but one of the biggest tools I think for practicing money management for kids is having the save, spend, share jars um, with, with allowance and any kind of money that they get. Oh, we, we talked about this. So you put a little bit in the spend jar, a little bit in the save jar, and a little bit in the share jar. Mm-hmm. So I think that this is when you can talk to them about the share jar and be like, you know, we can give this money to a cause or a charity or a person to help them. And there, there are a couple things to think about with that. The first one is you want to make sure it's something your child is really passionate about. You know, you don't want to give it to something that you care about and that, because then your child's not going to really be engaged in it. So sit down with them and be like, if you have, you know, an animal lover, be like, you know, Mm -hmm. there are shelters that are down the street that we could go and buy, Mm -hmm. you know, huge goodie bags of like dog food and toys and blankets. And my daughter and I just did this um, and bring it over to the shelter for them, you know, or if you've got, you know, somebody who um, we, we were also um, just got to know this group of girls in New York city and they're a group of homeless girls who live in shelters, but they created a, um, Girl Scout troop, and they're just extraordinary young girls. Um, and my mm-hmm. daughter is really touched by them, and she's like, "I'm going to buy them presents for the holidays." So, you know, she wants to. So, I think that it, they just really need to be um, uh, excited about it and really have something that touches their heart. And the second part of it is to have them actively involved, because then they take ownership over it. You know, we yes. we did things for the shelter, and we did this big box, and we put paper on either side of the box, and my daughter decorated it. My son threw Spider-Man, you know, stickers all over it, and they had all kinds. Like, the, the dogs don't care if it's decorated. It makes no difference, but my kids <laughs> made them really <laughs> excited, and it made them feel like they were, like, giving part of themselves to it. It wasn't just money, and they took ownership of it, because they did it, and they were so proud of it. So I think that those are two things to keep in mind um, when you're thinking about donating for kids. I think that's a great suggestion. I, I love that, that I was thinking they're going to give it to an animal shelter because all kids seem to love yeah, animals. Yeah. But I mean, there's so many um, animal shelters that need all of our help. So I noticed that you have a lot of piggy banks around you there. <laughs> it's kind of embarrassing. What's I don't even know what's back here right now. <laughs> well, I can see three piggy banks right now. So um, if, if you're not watching this on YouTube, if you're just listening to um, the audio on the podcast, um, Liz is surrounded by piggy banks. So I guess you have a thing for piggy banks, right? Do you actually keep your money in piggy banks? You know, I, it's so funny. Somehow a pig has become my mascot and it's not an ideal mascot for a woman. So it's like, but because I started writing this book and you know, the book is called Beyond Piggy Banks and Lemonade Stands. And I just, I just started collecting them because I, you know, they were just so cute. And I just loved this book so much. And it's become such a passion project of mine that yeah, I, my living room is filled with piggy banks. And every time my daughter or son sees a pig, they're like, mom, look, it's a pig. You love pigs. And I'm like, 
guess I'm now the pin girl. Like I apparently, but my kids do have, um, they don't have piggy banks, but they have these big clear Mason jars and it, you know, has like the little chalkboard thing where you can write on it, um, stickers and it says save, spend and share. So as much as I love piggy banks and I have them all around me for like inspiration for my book and everything, um, I actually, for kids, I like clear jars because then they can actually see their money grow. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love it. Well, your book kind of reminded me of almost like a a little workbook or a curriculum. It has so much good information in it and all of your little discussion questions and your game suggestions and your pop quizzes and your charts. I was like, this is good. I was telling my oldest daughter about it who you know, like I said, she's back in school now for an accounting degree. And I was telling her about the book and she's like, I want to read it when you're done. Oh, thank (laughs) you. That's so nice to hear. Yeah. So uh, one more question before we wrap this up. So piggy banks and lemonade stands, lemonade stands. So how, if kids do decide they want to make some money on their own, they want to be little entrepreneurs. What do you suggest for them? Man, I love a lemonade lemonade stand. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, I think that lemonade stand, you, there's so many benefits that kids can get out of it. I think the best thing that you can do is treat it like a real business. So, um, and I did this whole video on this before, but my daughter and I did a lemonade stand and we started from the beginning like by doing a business plan, a full out business plan. We were like, okay, so, you know, and it's, it's watered down, but um, she loved it, you know, cause it makes her again, feel adult and independent. And so we were like, all right, what's your target market going to be? Who do you think is going to buy the lemonade? We're like, okay, the neighborhood's going to be the target market. And then, you know, we go through like price points. I'm like, you know, what do you think we should charge? You know, Nancy down the street charged $2, but you know, Sarah charged one, you know, we're just, so we're looking at like what the price point should be. How should we advertise? So you know, that part makes it um, kind of like an actual business process to them and mm-hmm. teaches them some pretty valuable lessons about business. Um, and then, you know, she got really involved in actually creating the lemonade stand. So, you know, again, stickers and drawings and all kinds of stuff. She made the lemonade. I recommend testing the lemonade before you <laughs> sell it um, for many reasons. But uh, you know, so, so she was really involved in it and it just kept her engaged. It made her again, like anything else, it made her have ownership over it and mm. pride. she did this and she was really excited about it. Um, and then afterwards we did like real business maps. So I was like, okay, so this is what all, everything cost. You know, we went to the grocery store together and got all the materials. So this is what all the materials cost. This is how much we made. These were our revenues. And then if we take away the cost of all of the stuff that we bought from the revenues, this is our profit. And that means how much we earned at the end. And, you know, since she did the whole thing herself, it, it made sense to her. Um, so, you know, I, I think that the more that you can keep them involved and engaged and the more you can make it like a real business, it's just such a great opportunity them, for them to learn. And it's fun. You know, you don't want to have a business lesson for them if it's not fun. You don't want to talk about <laughs> supply and chain, you know, manufacturing business that they don't understand, but a lemonade stand kids get and they love and it's fun. That's, that's great. Yeah. I mean, lemonade stand, it's the iconic way for kids to make money, right? I know. I know. Everybody hears lemonade stand. They're like, oh, I remember them when I was young and it was warm out. And yeah. Yeah. Well, Liz, where can people find you? 
Um, you can visit my website at lizfraser.com and um, my book is everywhere that books are sold. Amazon, Barnes and Noble, everywhere online. Um, and my publisher, Roman and Littlefield. And um, you can also find me on Instagram at Liz Frazier Peck um, and the same at Twitter and Facebook. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being with us. You've given us a lot of good information. Oh, thanks so much for having me. This was so fun to talk to you. Thanks for listening. Please rate and review so other people can learn about this podcast. Find out more about sleep, hygiene, eating healthy, tasty recipes, zero waste lifestyle, and lots more on thatorganicmom.com. Help us spread the word. Be blessed and stay healthy.